Hello everyone, and welcome to episode number 8 of the Bible Study Masterclass. In this portion of our multi-part series involving a thorough consideration of the 18th chapter of the Book of the Revelation, we will be expanding upon our goal aimed at further proving that Babylon the Great can be none other than the United States of America. The question before us, as we embark upon this journey, is, why? We saw briefly in episode number 7 why God would absolutely hate and despise even a nation so great and so blessed as the United States of America, but, what might be the particulars undergirding the causes as to why the nations might follow suit, so as to do the bidding of the God they don't even know? In view of her, apparent, opulence, her prestige, her privilege and her projection of power, in addition to her general haughtiness, do the nations have any justifiable cause for concern for any possibility that she might secretly harbor the same or similar plans toward them, as they without question do invariably harbor for her? As we invoke the blessing of God upon this study, let's talk about it. The Spectres of Doom. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Whether viewed against the backdrop of our modern world, or, against the setting of a landscape stretching across 5,999 years or so of human history, Hers is undeniably a glistening, scintillating presence to say the least marked by astonishing achievements and contributions, beyond question. A land of freedom and of limitless opportunity, primarily, if one's skin is, white, that is, thus by design, more so for some, than for others. Where this queen of nations does not stand as an emblem and a model for others, she has shown and still shines like a beacon to multitudes. Singer-songwriter Neil Diamond extolled this virtue in a song entitled, Coming to America. Her many, many astounding attributes and virtues aside, though, the United States of America is no less whether seen through the eyes of informed, historically aware men, or, through the eyes of omniscient God a transcontinental contradiction in terms. Basking in plain sight for all eyes to see yet covered by a shadowy cloak of shady reasoning cast by the pens of her white racist, revisionist historians, she abides no less quite unlike anything the world has ever known or seen, partly by twisting and perverting the facts so as to show the world only what she wants, in a light that pleases her. An opulent concept privy only to the mind of God for over six thousand years, per Revelation chapter 18. Prideful, arrogant, and corrupt, an unimaginable impression, upon even the minds of her, founding fathers, there has never been anything like her, prior to our day. As such, drenched in a wealth unfathomable, she is a coveted symbol of pride and, seemingly boundless, prosperity. Yet, though she rides luxuriant, high on her well-fed hog, she parks that lush pork in a pen bounded and supported by the withered posts of a scarcely visible financial train wreck. Daily, with near-reckless abandon, in a restless hunt for zest, she thrusts that fat, ravenous swine onto the limelights of the bustling streets of a life she dominates, forever oblivious, to the fog of its imminent fade. Clinging to its back, driven herself by lust unquenchable, haunted by a price tag she can't afford, hounded by borrowed sums all know she can never outpace, she hurls that squealing pig through a valley of staggering debts and over the precipice of mountains of insurmountable liabilities. So it is, then, that, on that hog, she plummets, gripped by a rapacious thirst that will neither die, nor succumb to satisfaction. Hooked in a death spiral, she cannot reverse thrust. Blissfully, headlong and well-nourished, she plunges. Downward she goes, on a slippery slope in a blithe unparalleled 
the relentless clasp of her fiscal tail trapping a hapless world, hogtied in chains of obligation. She to them, they to her, all dragged in tandem with her now stuffed millions, toward a hellish oblivion. Soon she'll crash, this everyone knows, this queen of royalty, in a quagmire of hopelessness, as in a desert of dirty pots and empty plates. There she will languish and perish, alone and friendless, resting forever, unable to fill the soon-to-be-empty bellies of anyone left of her starving millions. This, notwithstanding the lies of her fat cat, well-compensated preachers, who are paid to keep their mouths shut, filling the itching ears of her wayward churches only with what they want to hear. Notwithstanding her inevitable impending fate, today the queen rests in a light most enviable. She sits still, pretty and proud, at the top of the international food chain. There, with the same reckless abandon, this queen of nations feasts, she eats, she drinks, she's merry, neither caring on the one hand, nor, knowing on the other, that tomorrow, she'll be dead. She spends money and she lends money, money she siphons freely and repays with whatever she siphons only to re-siphon from the pockets of her admirers, none of whom she has conquered, outright, in any strict sense of the word, unlike the Romans, etc., or the British, notwithstanding her treacherous double cross and slaughter of over 100 million Native Americans in the theft of their lands and resources, and, millions upon millions of Africans, she bought or stole to bring as slaves to the land of the brave, and of the irony of ironies, free. Thus, above all her past pre-nationhood atrocities and injustices, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, she manages well her very real, existential dark side, in true Catch-22 fashion. Topsoil crisis. Let us eat, and drink, and be merry today. For, tomorrow, in sixty years, we die. The world won't be able to feed itself. As alluded to above, notwithstanding her apparent prosperity and might, the United States faces daunting threats and near insurmountable challenges not the least of which is the potential for starvation. Yes. Starvation, in the land of plenty, God's country, and, let us stress, she is not alone. What's good for the gannet is good for the goose. As the queen goes, so goes the white man's world. This specter is nothing new, inasmuch as, it catches no one by surprise. Soil depletion. Almost 50 years ago, as of today December 21, 2022, during the late 70s, a now-defunct, periodical entitled Omni Magazine, if one's memory is correct, published a cover story that detailed a worrisome problem and threat facing the American agricultural industry. The article was rooted in a discussion of topsoil. Specifically, the author covered the root causes driving its loss, and the potential negative impact the loss of that topsoil could, would have in the not-too-distant future, with respect to American stomachs and industry. Topsoil is that upper layer of ground which serves as the storehouse for the food, moisture and nutrients that plants and crops need in order to grow. The article went on to highlight the fact that while there was a productive and highly profitable man-made offset to the immediate problem of topsoil loss, the cure itself was only temporary at best, and, in the end, as much detrimental to the agriculture industry, as is the problem itself. That is, in spite of high yields and bumper crops initially, at the end of the day artificially injecting the soil to make up for the nutrients lost along with soil loss, forcing it to do what it cannot do naturally, serves as well to deplete whatever is left of that topsoil. Because of this otherwise, 
perhaps, well-intended practice of coercing the soil to do what it cannot do naturally, at some point, that ground so treated will stop producing altogether. In so many words, eventually the cost of this artificial insemination will without doubt exceed the benefits. Thus, farmers and researchers still today look to the future and talk in real terms about the looming prospect of food shortages, famines, and starvations in a land that has only been known for its surpluses. From here, a bleak picture goes from austere to alarming. Soil loss. Loss of this most valuable of all natural resources is ten times the rate at which the soil tends to rejuvenate itself. That, according to the 7th of October 2010 issue of naturalnews.com. Around the world, the loss rate gets even more gloomy. Australia equals only 5x. Europe equals 17x. China equals 57x. According to SeekingAlpha.com, in the article, Topsoil, Dirt Isn't Cheap, the 1st of October 2008, a purchase of American wheat by Iran in a quantity unattainable anywhere else signals, an emerging shortage of fertile soil. We're running out of good dirt. The world over. As stated, topsoil can be replaced, but, hundreds of years are needed to regain only 1 to 2 inches. According to Inhabitat.com's article, Soil erosion could cause food crisis. January 21, 2013. The world has roughly 60 years of good dirt remaining. Any more doubts then about the practicality of or the plausibility of events as detailed in John's Revelation, Chapter 6? The soil and looming food crisis is not just one confined to the land of the Queen and her European foreparents, it is one faced by the entire world whose dirt is being worn out and further depleted of its nutrients by modern farming methods. Per Inhabitat.com, John Crawford, a professor at the University of Sydney, revealed in a Time magazine interview that, with a growing global population and nutrient loss due to poor farming methods, the world could see a severe food crisis as early as the middle of this 21st century or, by 2050, roughly 33 years from this day of January 20, 1017. Given a growth rate of approximately 1.5 billion new births every 15 years, the global population should be around 10 billion souls, in 2050. By 2077, the soil would be nearly worn out worldwide, and assuming that somehow the population could continue to grow humanity will have increased to approximately 12 to 13 billion mouths, which can hardly be fed. The Inhabitat.com article went on to point out that, being deficient of nutrients, Depleted topsoil will not hold moisture as well as will healthy soil, speaking of which. Water loss and depletion. During the summer, or, late spring, of 2014-2013, NPR Radio hosted a discussion that was rooted in an issue of critical concern nationwide. During that talk, the focus shifted to Texas ranchers, farmers regarding another doomsday specter in the form of devastating drought conditions plaguing primarily southwestern Texas. That draft forced a humongous cattle drive that involved the moving of tens of thousands of heads of cattle from Texas to North Dakota during calving season or lose them due to a serious lack of water. North Dakota was the only place in the country they could find that could accommodate that many cattle. In that discussion, it was revealed that an underground reservoir, covering 175,000 square miles, spanning many of the grain-producing states west of the Mississippi, stretching from South Texas to North Dakota, is at an all-time low. In bygone years that water went largely untouched. In the highly industrialized economy of today, 
that same water is prevailed upon to serve every need imaginable. Consequently, ranchers and researchers see little to no remedy in seeking replenishment through cutting back and or conservation, given that bringing the water table back up to an acceptable level would, like topsoil, take hundreds, if not thousands of years. Again, these same ranchers, farmers and researchers engage in real talk, to the extent that the inevitable outcome of further drops in the water table can and will only lead the nation to the brink of a food shortage, resulting in the eventual starvation of millions upon millions of American citizens. Meanwhile, from California to Florida, sinking cities, bone-dry beds of once-flourishing lakes, hypoxic waters of lakes with abundant marine life polluted by the stench of rotting bodies of fish killed for want of oxygen due to significant drops in those water levels, leaving too many fish for the amount of oxygen the lesser quantity of water can supply, underscores the evidences of the freshwater crisis America faces. The angst of the nations. More often than not, wars are usually calculated and waged in response to need and or want, whether that be for the souls of men, for territory, or, for natural resources. Thus, as worrisome and as vexing as is the future for Americans, in view of the present soil and impending food crisis we face, any light at the end of the tunnel only grows dimmer, when we pause to consider the specter of doom backlighting eyes that watch, observe and ponder this plight, behind foreign borders. Faced with these same grim prospects themselves, those alien eyes know that should the U.S. agribusiness eventually fail, as it most assuredly will, the burden of satisfying 300 million hungry bellies will inevitably fall on or could be forced upon them. Major industries would suffer and fail. Millions would be left jobless. The already overburdened, stretched and beaten down tax base would drop dramatically, leaving the government at a greater loss as to how to meet its debt obligations. Knowing what they would do if faced with a similar crisis, this realization forces upon them the need for a joint defensive strategy. Given the circumstance, insofar as, they all question her motives and ponder what might be going on in her mind, none is likely to argue against the fact that a best defensive posture is a strong offensive subterfuge, or, a provision for a collectivized, coordinated, preemptive, first strike capability that is, hit a hungry U.S., before its famished people can hit us. From here, therefore, the plot thickens, and the danger heightens for all concerned. Rest assured, the nations will not and cannot afford to sit idly by and risk a protracted engagement with the strongest military power known to men, which only the U.S. is likely to win, should the Queen opt to force-feed itself at the world's expense. A Trump or a Trump-like GOP-led administration, guided by a completely idiotic buffoon, whose first 100 days in office gave informed sources all over the world cause to question his sanity, mental stability and his fittedness for the office of president, cannot possibly mitigate so bleak a preview supported and surrounded by a vociferous, arrogant and restless white, supremacist, majority that exhibits much of the same disturbing traits, tendencies and expectations as did the white German majority that saw the rise of Hitler. Additionally, and ominously perhaps, six months into his first term, Trump ramped U.S. saber-rattling rhetoric up a notch when he issued this assurance, per a clip aired on Jay Sekulow's live radio broadcast, the West will never, ever, be broken, signaling without question, that, whatever the future in terms of economic, political and, or upheaval on the global stage, the U.S., her white, European allies, has no intention of ever falling victim. And yet, 
with the military already strategically positioned on foreign shores, spread across 150 countries, any reaction now, or, later, on the part of potential enemy nations could conceivably be too little, too late. But, is it, knowing that God says it not only can, but will be done? In answer to the previously raised questions, for sure, the specter of doom grows darker and more sinister when we realize that a world having immeasurable difficulty feeding itself, where malnourishment and starvation in spite of potential is a daily, insurmountable reality already, not only cannot, it will not willingly submit to demands to shoulder the burden of a gluttonous United States of America which, unable to feed itself or to pay for the food it needs already owes and or is mired in the muck of a debt it cannot ever hope to repay that debt itself being roughly one-tenth of the burdensome, inescapable, estimated, obligation of an entire world deeply indebted, to itself according to one source. That then, invariably raises the issue of the Queen's debt burden. Debt crisis. To dismiss the United States of America as a transcontinental contradiction in terms, snared in the thick of a dangerous catch-22, might be something of an understatement. As of May 17, 2017, the U.S. national debt stood at more than $20 trillion. That's the total amount of money that the U.S. government owes to and is obligated to pay out both domestically to her citizens and to international lenders, having campaigned on a promise that he would reduce the deficit. It was announced earlier that year as of August 13, 2018 that POTUS Trump had reversed thrust, so that then he expected to raise the deficit by at least $1 trillion more. The national debt is the total of all the past annual deficits, combined deficits being the amount of money the government spent, beyond what it collected in revenue, taxes, etc., in any given one year. To put that into some kind of perspective, every single one of America's 3.2 billion souls would have to pay more than $65,500 each to liquidate the debt. That's a staggering sum of money bigger than the combined debts of practically all the nations of the earth, some say that grows by in excess of 4 trillion, on a frequency that is all too regular. Some say this humongous obligation is the biggest threat to the future stability of the entire country, and its national security, according to Joint Chief of Staff, Admiral Mike Mullen, bigger than any threat posed by any enemy or adversary on any foreign shore. In summary, America the beautiful, in all of her opulence, is quite literally running on, borrowed, time and rented money which means that her affluence is at best a costly illusion, couched within a fragile bubble that is beyond ready to burst. That is, at the expense of the nations of the world, this queen of nations dwells in a palace she cannot afford, living a life of luxury, in the light of a splendor to which she has grown accustomed and loves, albeit that is far beyond her means. These nations then, notwithstanding, if not because of their own enormous debts, are effectively, de facto, vassals to the will of and to the material craving of the insatiable appetites of a gluttonous green-eyed monster, as it were. Tied to her at the hip, it is a practical impossibility to break free, without doing irreparable damage to themselves, this they know, all too well. China and Japan are by far the largest of these, vassals, holding approximately two-thirds of the U.S. roughly $6.5 trillion foreign debt per nationalpriorities.org. January 15, 2015. Indeed, a WordPress article posted by Charma News titled, Foreigners Dumping U.S. Debt. January 24, 2017, affirms that ours is a debt-fueled standard of living. 
dependent on foreigners lending us gigantic mountains of money at ultra-low interest rates. As of September 30, 2016, the national debt stood at around $19.573 trillion, combined total of all prior year's unpaid debts. GDP was $18.675 trillion, total of all annual revenues for every year up to this point. The U.S. government, therefore, has spent a cumulative total of $898 billion more than the total worth of the economic output of the entire nation, over the years. Almost 75% of that figure was incurred during FY 2016. Revenue, $3.276 trillion. Spending, $3.876 trillion. Deficit, $600 billion. For FY 2017, the 1st of October 2016 through September 30, 2017, the government is projected to spend $4.073 trillion on revenues of only $3.632 trillion leaving a deficit of $441 billion. In so many words, federal officials already knew, all too well, that there would be a severe cash shortfall, in 2017. On an interesting side note, Charma News makes the following observations in the same aforementioned article, posted yesterday, January 23, 2017. Government debt is an economic stimulus. Thus, it is essential. Obama's White House tenure added $9.3 trillion to the U.S. national debt. Ramifications. Owe cost to U.S. workers with jobs as of 12 2016. $75,129, in order to pay off. Oh, unjustifiable. One wonders how that could be, in light of the following. Oh, theft from future generations, of which there might be none, but for the added debt. Remember, the government has to be in debt in order for the economy to thrive. Obama, the only U.S. president with GDP less than 3%. Obama borrowing considered reckless, but with no serious consequences, yet. Dot. What Obama did could have been avoided only at the expense of the worst economic depression in American history. Thus, his borrowing was absolutely critical to the economic survival and stability of the nation. There is simply no other rational way to jumpstart the American economy being debt-driven, as it is and keep it alive. Trump cannot do better than what Obama has done. He has to borrow and spend or face a serious recession, i.e., some call it, national suicide. Americans don't understand this, or get the fact that we are living way, way above our means. In light of the foregoing, it seems totally disingenuous for this Charma news writer and others to accuse Obama of recklessness and theft from future generations, when in fact he did the only thing that could be done to keep the economy afloat and from lapsing into what could have been a catastrophic recession. Although GDP never grew 3%, how can he justifiably be called the least successful of all presidents, knowing what would have occurred, had he not pumped into the economy the money he borrowed? The groundwork for the need for his action was in truth laid in the actions of all past administrations and congresses. No sitting congress or any past president has ever had a remedy for any of the wrong turns they took that have led the nation to this hour, riding a mountain of debt. No matter how you cut the cake, this economic beast is the brainchild of greedy, American white men, not Barack Obama. No one knows how the U.S. will ever pay off the debt it owes. This they do know however, adding to this already ominous fiscal outlook, 
as of today October 29, 2003 according to a report online in Microsoft Start, written by Lou Carlozo, a national debt which stood at $5.6 trillion in the year 2000, has now mushroomed to $33 trillion and if repaid, interest-free, at a rate of $1 million per hour, it would take 3,750 years to pay off. With its passion for exorbitant military spending, realizing the pressures and headaches it will face when the farm crisis reaches full bloom, one has to wonder whether it even intends to repay its creditors. Reason would suggest, no. Without question, all foreign creditors are equally, if not more so, concerned. They are well aware that the U.S. is in serious economic hot water, with no remedy in sight. At present Uncle Sam makes payment and remains current on its obligations by issuing IOS in the form of bonds and treasury bills. Payments can only be made on the interest owed, never the principal. Soon in spite of having granted itself congressionally approved authority to steal hard currency from the nation's social security retirement funds, a practice begun and perpetuated by past white administrations, not the Obama White House, in addition to printing more paper bills on demand, it won't be able to make even these interest payments, and, its already worthless IOUs will then be totally worthless. IOUs are, in fact, being used to pay down IAS. Theft of SSI funds and printing more money is never enough. Any default on the Queen's part will unavoidably throw all foreign lenders into an economic tailspin. Their only recourse is mitigation of the repercussion of her impending financial collapse through orchestration of a kind of controlled demolition, fiscally or physically, designed to leave them on stable footing, notwithstanding the significant, irretrievable losses they will suffer when she defaults and falls i.e., destroy her, fiscally and or physically, before she can strike us, or before she self-destructs. Per Charma News, January 24, 2017, on WordPress.com. Foreigners had then already begun to dump U.S. debt certificates in record quantities, which, if sustained, could lead to a major financial implosion. Absolutely guaranteed within the next four years. One can only wonder if the 3 2020s crash was what they had in mind or, could this current year 2021 be the one? Meanwhile, in the world's hunt for a way to de-Americanize itself, rumor has it that the Russians and or the Chinese just might hold the key to the ultimate solution. And, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Bible Prophecy Masterclass. Please tune in again next time for the continuation of this timely discussion as to why the nations might be cajoled by the hand of God to take on the dangerous task of tackling the world's only remaining superpower, creating a global catastrophe that will inevitably be to their own detriment as well. I am Erica, and I bid you farewell. Praying additionally that God showers you with blessings richly until we meet again.